Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Good morning, Project Church. Good I mean, after that time in worship, I thought you guys got kind of worn out, aren't you? Is it good to be in the house of the Lord? Did anybody miss being together last week? Man, it was so good. I love, I see that hand. I see that hand. God's gonna bless that because you're you're ready to receive. <laughs> but hey, next week we didn't we left this out of the announcements because it's that important. Because we wanted to have a touch point with you here. That water baptism Sunday is next Sunday. And how many people here have been water baptized? Oh, no shame to those who didn't raise their hand. <laughs> Honestly, it's so exciting for our church family because this is when you make a public declaration of your faith. So if you have accepted the Lord into your life, he's the Lord of your life, savior of your soul, and you're ready to take that next step of obedience, water baptism is for you. And we as a church love to get out on the porch and celebrate with you. So you're not doing it alone. It's a public declaration that gives him so much glory. So if you haven't signed up, signed up on the, sign up on the church app or um, talk to somebody out at the VIP table. So would you guys stand with me? We are gonna be reading the word and we're gonna honor him. We say every week that the Bible is our guide and if it's our guide that's guiding every step, we're gonna stand and honor his word, amen? All right, so Matthew 14, 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. You, somebody say you, give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and, take, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. Somebody say satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Lord, we love you this morning. We love your word. We thank you that it guides us. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May it guide us this morning. May it guide our hearts. And right now we just ask for the beginning in the middle, the beginning of this message that you would just align our hearts with you just a little bit more because we've read your word. Guide our hearts, guide our minds this morning. We want to hear from you. We love you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen, amen, amen. 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 This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated in this place. Thanks for being here. Give it up for Chrissy helping me read the word this morning. <laughs> Guys, that's, that's my Filipino bride, the, the bride of my youth in whom I'm well pleased. You can do better than that. Came in here with that battery-powered orange shirt. She is different. But hey, my name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here. And today I'm kicking off an all-new series entitled Poor. Everybody say poor. poor. Now, this word poor is the word P-O-U-R. Every year... We come to this point in the year and we do a series on stewardship. Now, a few years back, I had never preached on, taught on giving, finances, stewardship in any way because I avoided it like the plague because I did not want to talk to you about your money. And then God began to convict me and he said, Caleb, you got to pastor the people all the way. You got to pastor every part of them. And how many of you know your finances are a big part of your life? The number one cause of divorce is issues with finances. And I think that in the church, we avoid certain topics like sex, like money. And these are topics that are relevant to our lives. And not only that, but are seen throughout the scriptures. And so today I want to share 
a message entitled The Principles of Pouring. The Principles of Pouring. Now, let me set the stage for this series. What is this series really going to be all about? You see, I think we live in a culture where people are trying very hard to make sure they're just not poor. They're chasing after material things, the things of this world, because they believe that that will make them happy. And I think we know and recognize as followers of Christ that we know a lot of people with a lot of money that are very unhappy. But what if we shifted our mindset, church? What if we shifted it from I'll be happy if I'm just not poor, if I just have all the stuff of this world to I wanna live a life that pours. I wanna live a life that pours out, that blesses, that blesses the people around me. I believe that's the life that God is calling us to live. The scripture that kind of sets the stage for this series is Luke chapter six, verse 38. It says this, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured, everybody say poured, into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Did you see this? I want this to resonate with you. That we are blessed when we give. In fact, in order to pour, we have to have something in our cup, don't we? And what it shows us is that is a counterintuitive, counterintuitive idea that when I pour out, I actually get more. When I pour out, I'm actually filled up. When I give, more is given back to me. Now, I'm not just saying your bank account will be huge if you give to someone near you, if you give to the church, but I am saying your life will be full. This is the life that followers of Christ are meant to live, a life that pours. And that's what I wanna talk to you about today. I wanna share some principles of pouring with you, looking at this text in Matthew chapter 14 on this story of the feeding of the 5,000. The first principle, if you're taking notes, is even in a desert, God can fill your cup. This should encourage somebody here today. I came in here feeling like there's some people that feel like they're in a desert season. You're in a desolate season. It says that Jesus trying to get alone went off to a desolate place. But the people hearing and seeing where he had gone met him on the other side. He tried to get away, which is a good reminder for us, church, that in order to pour out, you have to be filled up. In order to be filled up, you have to get alone. What does that mean? You can say no to some things, church, and not feel guilty about it. Come on, this should free somebody up in this place. You can say no and not feel guilty. Even Jesus got alone. He took the time to get alone. He took the time, it says he withdrew often alone to be with God. You can't pour from an empty cup. But I feel like there are many people in this place who feel like you're in a desert season. And so this first point, I wanted to encourage you and let you know that even in a desert, God can fill your cup. Now, let me set the context of this, because I think we hear about the feeding of the 5,000, we're like, that's pretty incredible, but it wasn't just 5,000 people. In fact, historians will tell us that most likely it was husbands, 5,000, it says there were 5,000 men, but most likely there were wives and children there as well. In this day, the average family would have three to four children. So we could do that math, but I thought I'd be a little uh, more conservative and say, let's say every one of them had two children with them. There would have been 20,000 people listening to Jesus teach and preach. And not only that, but it says that he healed their sick. I want you to think about that. Theologians say this was the largest crowd that Jesus ever spoke or ministered to. This is a significant moment in the ministry of Jesus. So you can call it the feeding of the 5,000. We can call it that. That's what the Bible says in the little margin uh, on the paragraph uh, that they add, the paragraphs that they added a few years back. But can I tell you, it was 20,000. It may have been 25, 30,000 people that Jesus was ministering to. And I wanted you to hear this because it sets the context, the, the, the picture for you of this throng of people in a deserted place. And they hear Jesus teach to them all day. It says that they came early. And now it, it tells us in the text that the sun is setting 
And in this deserted place, the people have been listening to Jesus. They've been ministered to by Jesus all day long. They have no food. They're hungry. And the disciples say, Jesus, send these people away. I think that there's someone in this room. There's maybe many of you in this room that feel like you're in a desert place. You're in a desert season, a desolate place financially. Maybe you're in a desolate place spiritually. You've been feeling a lack of connection with God. You're in a desolate place relationally. Your marriage is struggling. Your friendships aren't just what they used to be. You're still waiting on that spouse. I know single people, I see you, I'm praying for you. But I felt God say to me that even in a crowd this large, much like this day, they were in a desolate place, a crowd of 20,000, there were people there that felt lonely. I think there's people here that feel lonely and God wanted to tell you, he sees you, he cares about you, and he wants to fill you up in a season that feels desolate or deserted in this moment. John 6, 10 says, Jesus said, have the people Sit down. I want to show you this because I read from Matthew, but, but this is the parallel passage of this story in John, the gospel of John. And it says, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down about 5,000 in number. So I was just reading because I like to see the different passages and, and how the different, um, you know, the gospels tell the story. And so I was like, I want to read this in John. And I came across this and God spoke to me. You see, some of you feel like you're in a desolate place, a desert season. You feel like your cup is empty. And I felt like God wanted to tell you that even in a season that feels desolate, it feels deserted, it feels dry, that there's actually much that God wants to do for you there. You see, while there wasn't much in this place, it says there was much grass in the place. There maybe wasn't food, but there was grass. Here's what I want to say to you. I think God wanted to tell some people in this place, he has removed a lot of things from your life. He's taken a lot of relationships out of your life. He's removed some dreams. He's removed some opportunities from your life. And you feel like he's deserted you. But maybe he wanted to just sit you down for a moment and say, here, there's much that I want to do in your life. You see, there's always something. Even when it feels like there's nothing, there's always something. It feels like there's nothing, but there's actually much that God wants to do. There was much grass in that place. Maybe God just wanted to stop you this desert season, this desolate season, this deserted season. God just wanted to stop you and say, you just need to sit down and rest. You just needed to sit down and let me fill you up. This should encourage someone in this place that even in a desert, God can fill your cup. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 2 tells us, Beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. For even during a season of severe difficulty and tremendous suffering, they became even more filled with joy. From the depths of their extreme poverty, super abundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. Here's what God wanted to tell us today that even in a desert season, he can fill our cup. Even when it feels like we have nothing, God may be teaching us something in that season. It says that they had been filled with much joy, even in a season of suffering. And I, I sense that there's people that have been in a season of suffering. You're encountering something you've never encountered. You're walking through a, a storm, a struggle you've never walked through, and you feel like God's abandoned you, but he wanted to tell you he's developing something in you in this season. Even in a desert, God can still fill your cup. The second principle of pouring is that it needs to be in order before God can use you to pour. So I started by encouraging you. Now I'm going to make you all uncomfortable. Are you ready? I wanted to start out with something that, that, that felt good. Even in your desert season, God can fill your cup. Here's what I felt like God wanted to say. He's brought you and he's called you and he's speaking to you because some of you are going, I'm in a desert. My cup is empty, Caleb. Can I tell you, there's always something in the cup. There's always something that God has given you to steward. Here's the problem. We don't have our lives in order. 
And God is a God of order. And if your life isn't in order, how can you pour out on the people around you? Here's what I see. I want to illustrate this. You guys were ready for it, I know. I want to illustrate this. Here's what I see. There are people who have something in their cup. It doesn't feel like much. They're like, God, I'm in a desert season. God, I don't have much. How could I be a person that pours when I barely have anything in the cup? And here's the problem. I think it takes us back to the, the parable of the talents. You guys remember that parable? You see, there's three servants and the master gives one 10 talents and one five talents and one one talent. And the one with 10 talents turns it into 20 when his master goes away. The one with five talents turns it into 10 when his master goes away. The one with one talent says, I know you're a harsh judge and I, didn't, and I knew how you are. So I buried the one talent in the ground. So here's the talent back to you, I'm returning it to you. And the master says, you wicked and disobedient servant. It would have been better for you to at least invest it in a bank so it gained interest. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take the one talent I've given to you and I'm gonna give it to the one that turned the 10 into 20. What is this about? It is about stewardship. You see, you cannot steward well if your life is in chaos. Now listen, I've gone through seasons of chaos and sometimes it's not of our own making. But can I be real with you? More often than not, the chaos that we're experiencing is because we do not choose wisely to put our life in the order that it was meant to be in order. And so I wanted to challenge you. Here's what it is. You're going, I'm in a desert season. No, here's the problem. You have holes in your cup. Because your cup, your life is not in order. Caleb, what, what holes are you talking about? I don't, I don't have holes in my life. Oh no, oh, no, here's what I'm talking about. You're looking for the affirmation from people on social media more than the affirmation of your God. You, you don't even have a budget. Oh, Caleb, don't say it to him. Don't say it. You don't even have a budget. And then you wonder why at the end of the month, you got nothing to give to God. Oh, Caleb, don't, don't do it like, don't do them like this. And so here's what happens. When you don't have order in your life, when you have not put your life in order, the little that you have quickly diminishes. And I felt like God wanted to call out some people in this place and say, you gotta get your life in order. You don't have boundaries with the people around you. You don't have boundaries uh, with what you're looking at online. You don't have boundaries in how you spend. And so today, church, I wanna challenge you. How can you pour if your life is not in order? Like, I wanna pour, but the second I get anything, it's gone. I wanna pour out, I wanna give back to the church, I wanna bless the people, I wanna bless my family. You can't because there's no order. And I wanna challenge you, church, today that you would put your life in order. Your finances are out of order. And can I tell you, God is a God of order. He doesn't want you in debt. It's time for the church to get out of debt. I'm not talking about your mortgage. That's okay. I'm talking about all the other stuff you buy that, to impress people you don't even like. Buying stuff you do not need. And let's be real, the things of this world, it's temporary, momentary satisfaction. Listen, I love shoes, my wife will tell you. But I buy a shoe and two weeks later, I need a new shoe. Because it's temporary. I need order in my life. Here's what God spoke to me a, a few years ago, and I'm, I'm gonna talk about your life as it relates to porn, but I, I'm gonna come and talk about your finances today quite a bit, because I believe God wanted me to. I used to avoid this until God began to speak to me that I had to speak to you on this. And, and here's what I found a few years ago, God began to speak to me because I was sitting in a service much like this, and, and God spoke to me and he said, Caleb, I need you to give. And I was like, yo, God, you, you, you missed it. You need to talk to all these other people. 
because you know me, God. Since I was in high school and had my first job, I've been given. Like I've tithed since I was, I don't know, middle school, high school when I got my first job. I have always given that first tenth to God. And can I be real? It was easy when I made $100 a week. $10, that ain't no thing. But when I started making $1,000 a week, and it's like $100 a week I gotta get, it got a lot harder. I'm just being real, it gets harder. The more you make doesn't make it easier to give. The more you make makes it harder to give. That's why I challenge people to start now, to start where they are. But God began to speak to me, he said, Caleb, I need you to give. I was like, God, what are you talking about? Me and my wife, we're, we're locked in, we give, we're faithful, 10%, God, all the time. He says, no, 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 that's not giving, that's returning. I said, what? God, say this to somebody else. He said, the 10%, that's the baseline. You're returning. Can I tell you, everything you have is not because of you, it's because of him. The talent you have is because of him. The money you have is because of him. The job you have is because of him. And I felt like God spoke to me, and this is just for me. I'm not, trying to, I'm not saying this for all of you, but in this moment, God spoke to me. He said, that's not giving, that's returning. The 10% is the baseline. He said, I'm saying give above and beyond that. And so my wife and I, through the years, we've continued to try to increase our giving to where we don't give 10% now, we give beyond that. And at the end of the year, we do a miracle offering every December, it's coming, second December, uh, second week of December, get ready, um, it's coming. And every year, God speaks a number to me, and I write it down, and then God speaks a number to my wife, and it's always higher, and I try to rebuke it in Jesus' name. <laughs> But how many of you know she usually wins because generosity wins, because being a, a person that blesses and gives wins? And so, Lord, please just give her a lower number this year in Jesus' name. It hurts me. But can I tell you it's the best way to live? But, but I wanted to just challenge you because I think that some of you are wondering why God's not using you and why you're not pouring out on others. And I felt like God wanted to tell you it's because things aren't in order. Your life isn't in order. Your boundaries aren't in order. Your finances aren't in order. Your giving isn't in order. And God wants to use you. And can I tell you, being used by God is the best. And it's funny because people in the church, they'll come and like, God, use me. And then God uses them and they leave the church. They're bitter and they're like, I got used. <laughs> God wants to use you. What you have, what he's blessed you with, your talents, your treasure, your time to release his hope into this world. But before God can use you to pour, you got to get things in order. So some of you need to go home today. You need to budget for the first time. You need to sit down with your wife and be like, let's get real. Because you can't pour out from a life that is in chaos. It needs to be in order for God to use you to pour. Can I tell you something else about order? I, I was brought to the Beatitudes. This is the... Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, the most famous sermon of Jesus' ministry. And one of the things he says is this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And this series on poor and being a person that pours, God brought me to this text and he says, yes, Everyone in this culture is trying to be rich, but I've called you actually to pour and to be poor, but poor in spirit. But what does that mean? I mean, I've, I've heard that, but I don't really know what that is. This is the order that God wants your life in. You see, being poor in spirit means that you choose humility. Being poor in spirit means that you walk as a humble servant of Christ. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? You're humble. And what does humility look like in the kingdom of God? It's people who recognize their own spiritual poverty apart from God. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. Apart from him, I can do nothing. I can give nothing. I can pour nothing apart from him. 
And I think this is a huge key component to why we're not pouring out. And God isn't using us to pour on the people around us, on the people in this life, at our job, with our neighbors, with our coworkers. Can I tell you why? It's because we're walking in pride, spiritual pride, practical pride. And God's saying, I'm looking for the poor in spirit, the humble that recognize apart from him, I can do nothing. To poor, you have to recognize you are poor, church, without Jesus. See, without him, I'm, I'm nothing. Without him, I can give nothing. I can release nothing. The third principle of pouring is it's more important to be blessed by God than planned by you. Yeah, I know you don't like this. Neither do I. I like my plans. My plans make sense. I'm, I'm wise, God, beyond my years. I've accomplished a lot in my life. It's more important to be blessed by God than planned by you. I want you to look at this story again. Looking back at the feeding of the 5,000. And in this moment, the disciples go to Jesus. They're in a desolate place, a deserted place. Jesus has been ministering, teaching, healing all day long. And the people are hungry and it says that the sun is about to set. And the disciples go to Jesus and they say, send them away. Send them away for we have nothing to give them to eat. And what does Jesus say here? Something so significant, something so powerful. He says, you give them something to eat. He said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. You see, what if the disciples had given away the loaves and fishes before Jesus had blessed it? You see, in this moment, we see in the story, and if you go to John, it's a little more description about it. They go and they find this little boy because they're like, does anyone have any food? They find this little boy, he has five loaves, he has two fish. And I, wanna, I was thinking about like, what if the disciples had taken these five loaves, these two fish, and they're like, all right, let's, let's cut it up. Let's divide, we'll make little mini fish sliders. <laughs> Come on, fish tacos, amen. Those are blessed by God. What if they had made up some little fish tacos and, and they begin to distribute it to the people? They would have fed very few. But what does it say they did? It says they took it and they brought it to the Lord. He says, bring them here to me. He has them sit down. He takes the loaves and the fish and he looks up to heaven and it says that he says a blessing he broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. You see, if the disciples had distributed it without the blessing of Jesus, very few would have eaten. They would have missed out on a miracle. And I wonder how many of us are making our decisions with our lives, with our finances, based on man's wisdom. How many of us are using our money with fear leading us rather than faith leading us? Can I be real, church? I want to be real. Chrissy has a new app, Be Real. I don't know. It's, it's the new thing. I don't do it, but she does it. Just randomly, Caleb, smile. Okay. If you don't know, you don't know. I don't know either. But... I want to be real and practical with you. There are times when I'm giving, because... Christy and I, we give every two weeks. That's when we get paid every two weeks. And we give, and it's 10% that comes out. And I see it, and I, we have it set up, like recurring giving, because let's be real, most of us don't have a faithfulness issue with giving. Well, a lot of us do, but some of us don't. Uh, but we do have a forgetfulness issue. Like we wanna give, we just forget to give. And so that's why we set up recurring, and a little plug for you to do that. But anyways. Um, <laughs> but when it comes out, it hurts because I'm sitting there thinking, dang, 
I'm living on 90, less than that now, percent. If I had that, I could do a whole lot more. If I had that, we'd have a lot more breathing. If I had that, I could, and I, and I start thinking like in the practical. I'm just being real with you, church, because it goes through my head every time, because I get an email every time. Your giving just went through. I'm like, dang, that's okay. <laughs> but can I tell you something? I truly believe that God can do more with 90% than you can with 100%. And I don't say this because it's, a, a, a cool churchy thing to say. And it may sound cliche, but I want to tell you, I am a walking, living testimony, testament, as well as Chrissy, that when you're faithful, when you trust in God and say, God bless it, that when he blesses your 90, it is more and better than when you plan your 100. And I know this is making people uncomfortable because you're like, I don't give. I tip every once in a while, especially when you give a good sermon, Caleb. That's when I give. But I wonder how many of us were missing out on the blessing and the miracles because we're walking in man's wisdom according to our planning according to what makes practical sense than saying, God, bless it. God, I'm trusting you. You see, giving is a muscle, isn't it? Generosity is a muscle. It's a, it's a part of the muscle of faith. And some of you need to just start somewhere. Today, some of you need to start with just giving 2%. You never given anything. And you're like, 10%, Caleb, are you tripping? I want to tell you, you start with two, watch. In a few weeks, a few months, you're like, I got to stretch. That muscle gets stronger and stronger. And before you know it, you want to give more and more and more. Why? Because it's a muscle of faith that God wants to develop in his people. Why would he want that? Because we, we become more reliant on him than on ourselves. I'm not saying be foolish. I don't give all my money away. I still have retirement. I still plan for the future. We still have an emergency savings. Be smart. This is the order that I'm talking about. But I am saying some of you need to develop the muscle of generosity. And that muscle in you is weak. And today you came in here, you didn't know where you were coming to. Some of you are here for the first time. You're like, dang, I knew it. I knew they were going to talk about giving them money. <laughs> This has been planned for months. I'm sorry, first timers, but I'm glad you're here. Here's what I think. I think that many of us, including me at times, have got caught up in what Hebrews 13:5 tells us. It says, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, money isn't evil. I like money. In fact, I was just in Canada. My grandfather died uh, nine months ago and we were moving my grandmother from her house she's been in for almost 50 years. She was in a three-story house with five bedrooms and we were downsizing her, sizing her to this little two-bedroom apartment. So me, my mom, and my dad all flew out there and we helped her move. And so if you didn't know, I'm, I'm half Canadian. Come on, eh? Yes. Um, so we helped my grandma move. And, and at the end of helping her move, she's like, Caleb, I got something for you. And she slapped some crispy $100 bills in my hand. U.S. US. <laughs> you don't want that exchange rate, church. Not with Canada's dollar. And she slapped them in my hand. She gave some to my dad. I put them in my wallet. Ooh, I liked it. I'm not going to lie. Got that money. I didn't even tell Chrissy about it yet. It's still in there. Don't tell. Oh, shoot. She's right there. I'm lying. I did tell her. She knows. She knows. She'll get one. She'll, she'll, she'll literally just take it out. I know it's coming. But I liked it. I like money. Money's not bad. I've done a lot of good things with money. 
I've blessed people. I've taken care of my family. I've bought a house. I mean, a lot of great things. But can I tell you, the Bible says it's okay. Money's okay. It's the love of money. That we would be content with what we have. And we're in a culture that literally is trying to brainwash you to discontent. That you never have enough. That you always need more. You always need that next fix, that next thing. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Can I tell you, we have to talk about money because money is dangerous. We can fall in love with it. It can lead us to all kinds of evils. It is as tempting as power to pursue above all other things. Now again, I like money. And I'm trying to be wise with money and make money and set myself up for the future. And and I want to provide good things for my family. But can I tell you, I don't want to fall in love with money so much that it leads me to wander from my faith. Because my faith matters more than how big my bank account is. My faith matters more than how many toys I got. My faith matters more than how many trips I get to go on. And I love going on trips. My wife will tell you. This is a warning and a reminder that we have to choose the blessing of God over the planning of us. And finally, if the keys would come back, the final principle of pouring is to become a poor Christian. You just have to decide to pour. You just have to decide to pour. I think about the boy. If I'm the boy, I'm going, y'all didn't plan ahead. I actually planned ahead. And I get hangry, y'all feel me? I got a high metabolism. I get hangry when I don't eat. If I'm the boy, I'm like, nah, you ain't taking my, they come around asking for my, who's got food? I'm not me, not me. They walk by, I'm like, yup. If I'm him, I'm like, I'm not helping out all these. these they didn't plan. I actually planned well. Why would I bless them when they didn't do what they should have done? I'm handling my business. What if he had done that? He may have had a full belly, but he would have missed out on being a part of a miracle. He may have had a full belly, but he wouldn't have set an example for all of us that sometimes when you pour, God takes it, he touches it, he blesses it, and that pouring, even though it was little, becomes much. And some of you are going, I don't got much to give. I mean, Caleb, honestly, like, I think my life's in order and I've done everything I should have, but, and I'm honoring God, I got good boundaries, but like, that's nothing. That's nothing. This is the little that I have. It's all I have. Like, what's God gonna do with this? That's nothing. But can I tell you, little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God touches. Little is much when God blesses it. And God takes five loaves and two fish of a little boy and he feeds 20,000. But not only that, I feel like God was just trying to send a message to the disciples. It tells us here that after all are satisfied, It says they all ate and were satisfied. Y'all ready for that satisfying lunch? I know it's coming. Niners gonna win. We're gonna have a great lunch. Oh my goodness, come on somebody. It says they all ate and were satisfied. And, And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. 12 baskets for the 12 disciples. I felt like God, he had them carrying baskets and he said, now go pick it up. Go pick up, get the, bring the scraps. And here they come. And they're like, Jesus, we got all this. They each had a basket full left over. And Jesus was like, I just wanted to remind you, you wanted to send them away and I wanted to work a miracle. You wanted to say we have nothing to give them. And all I needed was a little bit of faith. Can I tell you something, church? You may not have much. You may not have much to give. You may not have much to pour out. But when you bring it and God blesses it, he can do much with your little. 
So God just wanted to encourage you that you would become a poor Christian. But what does that mean? You just have to decide to pour. But Caleb, I don't know, I don't know how I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do that. It doesn't make sense. Just pour. I mean, what, what could happen? Just pour. How am I gonna Just pour. I'm telling you right now, God wants to develop your faith like never before. He wants to build the muscle of faith in your life. This is about obedience. And I know that some of us in this place, there has been moments when I have made money an idol. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. Money has become an idol at times in my life. I have become obsessed with, with how to get more and make more and, 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 and I'm worrying about it. I'm having anxiety about it. Come on, some of you can relate to this and I'm talking to my wife about, I just gotta figure out how, how do we have more? And then God reminds me, just pour. Just pour. Just pour. Here, here's what I think. I think many of us have seen our lives as a cup And, and I think we've seen our lives as a cup that's just meant to store. And then every once in a while, God says, pour. And we're like, okay, okay. But you know when you pour with, with a cup, it's awkward. You ever try to pour out of a mug and it just gets everywhere? You feel me? It just gets everywhere and it's just messy because cups aren't made practically to pour. And so I think a lot of us, we see our lives as a cup to store. I just gotta store more, I just need more. I just gotta get more, I just gotta have more. I gotta store up more. And this is how too many Christians are seeing their lives. But here's what I've seen. You see, God doesn't want us to look like this. He wants us to look like this. He doesn't want you seeing your life as a cup to store, a cup to store. I'm not saying you don't have storehouses. I'm not saying you don't plan and strategize and have retirement. I already said that, I've done all that. But I am saying that God is calling you not to be a cup that stores, but a life that pours. You see, what was this designed to do? It's a pitcher. A pitcher is designed to pour. It's made to do that. It comes out smooth and natural and, and, and it, it just pours out the way it's meant to. And I think that there's many of us in this place that God is right now trying to form us into pitchers that pour. And we've been cups that store for so long. We've been cups that store for so long. And today God wanted to tell you, no, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start forming you different. I'm gonna start developing that muscle different, that muscle of generosity, that muscle of faith. Why? Because you weren't just meant to store, you're meant to pour. And I'm not just talking about giving to the church. I'm talking about pouring out on all the people in your life. Love, joy, hope, blessing, encouragement, words of life that you would pour out in a world that is desperate and thirsty and hungry and trying to fill the void with all the things of this world. We have the ability to pour out what is true and what is the life and life to the fullest that Jesus talked about. As I was praying and preparing for this message, God brought me to Solomon. You guys know King Solomon? So there's an interesting story about Solomon, right? Where God comes to him, it says in the evening, God comes to him and he says, anything you ask, I'll give it to you. Could you imagine that? This is Aladdin, y'all. <laughs> Aladdin rubs the bottle, gets the genie, right? Uh, anything you want, anything you ask, I'll give it to you. And Solomon, he's just been appointed, anointed, and, and coronated as king. He followed his father, David. He becomes king. And God comes to him in the evening. Anything you want is yours. 
And what does Solomon ask for? What does he ask for? Yes, you guys know. Okay, you've read it. You heard the story. He asked for wisdom. And God says, because you've asked for something, when you could have asked for anything, you asked for wisdom. I'm going to give you everything else as well. And he blesses his life and he blesses his kingdom and he blesses his his years of ruling and reigning. He builds the temple of the Lord. David wanted to, but Solomon gets to. But I read this story and I've read this story so many times and some of you are like, okay, Caleb, what's the point? Here's the point. I actually went back to what happened during the day because at night, God came to Solomon and asked him this question. But during the day, he was coronated, anointed, appointed as king. And it was tradition and ceremonious that they would sacrifice a bull to the Lord in honor of their coronation as king. And so this is what Solomon was supposed to do. It's what every other king had to do. They would sacrifice a bull to the Lord. But you see, Solomon didn't sacrifice one bull. The word tells us that he sacrificed 1,000 bulls to the Lord. 1,000 bulls. Can I tell you something? God only gives that question anything you ask, I'll give to you. To extravagant givers. I truly believe this. That this kind of favor... And there is favor. We just got out of a series on the favor of God. You should go back and listen. This kind of favor, favor of the Lord, favor of God only comes to extravagant givers. You see, extravagant givers are the only ones who will hear. Ask anything and it can be yours. I felt like God wanted to say this. I'm gonna ask the vocalist to come back out. I felt like God wanted to say this to us today to encourage us. And I know this isn't the most comfortable message for some of us. It's not the most comfortable often for me to bring. But I felt like God is developing a muscle in our church like never before. He's developing a people that don't have cups to store, but lives that pour. And it was funny because this morning, the reason I wanted to come out here, because this morning, come here, come here. This morning, come here, come here. Blake, come here, come here, come here. Come here, come here, come here, come here. I'm looking for more. Hold on, hold on. Come here, come here. Who, who else got a gyra shirt on? Get up here. If you got a gyra shirt on, get up here. Come on. You don't have one. Back up. Who else? They're coming. Come on, come on, come on. This wasn't planned. They didn't even know this was happening. I did not do this in the 830 service. Come on, line up. Sorry, Whitney, I love you. Stay on the stage, though. Come on, line up, line up, line up. Come on, I walked in today and I saw Justin Lee worshiping Jaira and then I saw Jordan Lee worshiping Jaira and then I saw, I talked to you out on the porch, I said, I've seen a lot of people in this Jaira shirt. And and then Jaira, and then Jaira, and then Jaira, and then Jaira. What does Jaira mean? Jehovah Jaira, the Lord my provider. I want to tell you something today, church. You may be in a desert season, a desolate season. You may be in a struggling season. You feel like your cup is empty, but I feel like God sent them today in these shirts to remind us that He provides. He provides when we give. He provides when we pour. He provides when we release. He provides when we bless. God is a God that provides. And today, He wanted to challenge us that we were poor. Man, thank you guys for being here. This is what it's about. The Lord, our provider. Can I tell you, you can't outgive God? Can I tell you, when you pour, I believe God releases a blessing like never before. Come on, give it up for him. You guys can go back. I love you, Whitney. At the end of the day, I'm going to close right now. I've gone a little long. I'm going to close right now. I just want to tell you, we pour because we serve a Savior that set the ultimate example of pouring. He poured out his blood 
He poured out his life. He poured out his everything for you and for me. He took your sin and my sin. He gave and died the death, paid the penalty that we should have paid and the death that we should have died. Why? Because we serve a God of pouring, so how could we not pour? Heads bowed, eyes closed across this room. You're in this place. You say, Caleb, Caleb, I've been running from God. I've turned my back on God. I've been living in the things of this world. I've been caught up in sin, but today the Lord has spoken to me. And I want to be a person that pours, but I have to receive the outpouring of his love and his forgiveness on my life. If that's you in this place, you need to come to Jesus for the first time. You need to recommit yourself anew and afresh in this place. I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three, go. If that's you, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Come on, that's what it's about. You can put your hands down. Second group of people in this place. You say, Caleb, I gotta be honest. I've been living a life that just stores. I saw myself as a cup that stores, but today the Lord has spoken to me, convicted me that I would be a person that pours. I need to walk in more faith, walk in more generosity, bless more. I need to give more. If that's you, God spoke to me, I want you to lift your hand. Let this just be a sign of obedience that yes, Lord, I'm acting on what you spoke into my heart. So Lord, today in this place, we release an outpouring of the spirit of pouring. God, we serve a savior that poured it all out for us. He poured his life out. He poured his blood out. And so God, we will also live lives that pour. We don't wanna just store. We don't wanna just be about ourselves. We wanna walk with love. We wanna give generously. We wanna release what you've given to us. So God, today in this place, build the muscle of pouring. Greater faith than ever before. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Church, stand your feet. Let's sing this song. Our prayer team's making their way forward. If you need prayer, if God has spoken something to you, I want you to come. If you're in a desert season, I want you to come. Come on, let's sing, let's worship, let's pray. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.